Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of On a Shoestring. Today, we have Theo Adam Bateson. Never actually said your last name, but I was kind of fun. Yeah, you said it right, man. That's a good pronunciation right there. So this guy's pretty interesting. He's based out of London right now. He's, uh, I want to say he's a British Frenchman, but I was playing around with the semantics. Maybe he's a French Britishman. I, I don't know. And he grew up in Greece. Um, so without a doubt, how are you doing, Theo? Man, it's been a, it's been a good day. I've been, I've been excited today. Um, this whole podcasting journey is, is nuts. It's, it really gets me out of my comfort zone and really puts me in a, a state of people. And I want to be open and my best version of myself. So it's, it's, yeah, I'm in a good zone. I'd say I'm in a good zone right now. Ah, and so the excitement is pretty good. So is it the podcasting that made you excited today or are there other background reasons for that? I think the feeling that things that I've already been working on in my life, apart from just general uni or school, things like parkour, things like meditation, um, trying to understand my, my experience of reality, emotions, how to deal with, with mental health, everything sort of falling in place in a way where I can use it to create something for myself and also for others through the podcast. Oh, okay. So it's this, this more of this sense of like um, meaning, I guess, or like things are falling into place. And that's, a, that's an empowering place to be. Okay. And then, uh, as for, for nuts, I was wondering, you know, like astronauts, like out in space kind of excitement in progress, like, I, you know, I really terrible joke there. My bad. Um, <laughs> so, um, tell us a little bit, uh, about your experience at uni. So what, what do you study and, um, you know, why did you choose what you study? Um, so I'm in my master's year. So my fourth year, and I'm, I'm starting my, my lab experience and working with other people in a team. I'm really enjoying that feeling of being outside of just the textbooks and actually working and interacting with people and feeling that uh, you're working as a team and you can rely on one another. Um, so originally I wanted to do psychology to understand people. Um, and my experience of reality, like uh, how do I explain my emotions, my different states uh, when I'm feeling empowered down? Um, you know, uh, one of the things I remember from my, my personal statement was like talking about on the rugby field, um, what is it that activates in your brain, in your hormone system that makes you feel part of a pack? You know, that's a, that's a powerful feeling. And, and I wanted to, you know, try and explain these things. Um, so having that sort of process in mind, then I thought, actually, I really enjoy physical reality where somehow there's a trap once you enter the mental world. And I felt psychology had that trap of people just coming up with ideas to explain reality rather than 
observing reality itself, like the substance itself. Um, so that's why I, I decided to do neuroscience. Okay. Um, mm. And with your background studies in neuroscience and um, all of the experiences that led up to the lab, um, bringing shoes into this, would you say that there's any kind of dress code or um, any type of formality or is it um, casual dress? Uh... For lab life, not really. You can, I mean, especially in London, you've got people of all sorts, all cultures, all sexual orientations. Um, it's, it's really an open environment. So uh, right now I was wearing a very sort of open neck long sleeved woman's uh, clothing I felt completely okay where people were to and go and well you're not really stuck with <laughs> chemicals in the labs and you're not really supposed to be in shorts but yeah it's fairly lax I would say very okay. nice, very open. So that's that's really interesting. I, I just got off uh, uh, an interview with a um, chemist, so we we talked about lab safety. So very different culture, it sounds like <laughs> in your lab. No, um, and then for for anybody with an imagination, this this woman's shirt is is pretty great. It's it's actually a pretty rad V neck, and if you go check out old New York City photos back in the early. 20th century you'll actually see very similar dress that uh kids have um the visual art on the shirt though on the other hand is like um it's like taking a camera and trying to do night shots without a tripod and so the light and the noise in the photo is really crazy um that was a trip didn't didn't actually expect to visualize the entire shirt but yeah for, for anybody the, i mean the, the dress and, and the style i think the, the fashion comes and goes but there's, there's definitely some good, there, there's nothing feminine or masculine about the shirt. I think it's, it's a very, uh, unisex shirt. Um, so parkour, what's your story behind parkour? Have you been doing it your entire life or have you been doing it the last couple of years? What, what brought you to parkour and that form of athletics? Um, seven years ago. Um, my friend from back in Greece, Geese, um, came to us uh, one day as we were chilling with, with my mates, with my group of friends. And he was like, dudes, I saw this thing on the internet. It's called parkour and it's fucking awesome. And, uh, and basically there was an abandoned army training space next to our high school. And we'd always go, go and relaxed there uh, after a certain age uh, we could have lunch break outside so it was an opportunity to escape um, the classroom and really have our own freedom and to start developing parkour on our own uh, was for me now like it's a it's a it's a big part of my life I uh, I associate it I associate with it quite quite deeply uh, because it's given me a lot of freedom because of the way I've learnt it. I learnt it with my friends. There was no 
person of authority telling me how to do it. Uh, it was very much a personal exploration of our environment, of our physical body, of our attitudes, of our limitations. And um, a friend of ours who's still part of our group today, uh, two years older, he'd done some, he'd stopped, but one of us knew him. So we went out to him, he showed us the basics. And from there, we just like, uh, at, at some stage, we were the, the best team in, in Athens. Um, so just a beautiful way of developing friendship uh, and your, your ability to trust yourself in your body and um, take risk, but in a safe way, because you're training. You're not just taking leaps of faith. You, you never really do that. <laughs> not, not jumping from rooftop to rooftop. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I've done that before, but I've, I've been training. I, the yeah. first time I did that, I'd been training for six years and I'd repeated that move so many times at ground level, but I knew I wasn't going to make a mistake. Yeah. And you go and you go and check the other surface. So yes, you have your, there is the possibility of death, but that's not an option because you've trained enough. You know yourself. It's this, this ability to know yourself. Okay. Um, so that's really cool to see the parallels between uh, neuroscience and studying the physical world and observing the physical world to, to formulate an understanding of personalities and, and the mindset that people bring to the world. It's also really cool to hear that you have a, a similar approach to your uh, getting to know your physical limitations, but being up to the, the cognitive challenge of, of going out and doing things. Um, with parkour, what kind of uh, shoes or lack of shoes do you wear? Because I've seen parkour athletes who wear sneakers. I've seen people who do it bare feet. So what, what are your preferences and your background there for training and then the, the environments that you're in? So I've got all my shoes here on my table, by the way. <laughs> I'm looking at them. Um, I started off with some Nike shoes with a sole that was quite thick and foamy. Um, and that would absorb a lot of the impact. And what I later discovered was using shoes with a thinner sole was actually better towards developing a better technique so that you can actually feel where you're landing a lot more and you're a lot more sensitive to your own technique, your own posture and position and uh, placement of, of weight. Um, so in a sense, there's more risk because there's less cushioning, but then you're developing better technique and that means you're also protecting your body better. So by having less protection through the beautiful tool that is your shoe, you're learning to look after your body better because you're responding like if you fuck up, you're really going to feel the pain yep. and therefore you're not going to do it again. Um, so I've got them right here. Some new balance. Uh, these are the 420s. I remember going to Vancouver um, and going to this shoe store and the guy was like, of 420s, yeah, parkour guys, they rock them shoes, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, cool, man, cool. <laughs> and uh, I've had them for like two or three years. 
and as you can yeah. see like on one side of the shoe the sole is coming off like it's ripping apart yeah. uh, over here like it's completely open yeah, like it's torn open on the side because there's a lot of flexion uh you know where the ball of the foot is yep. just before the arch starts going towards the heel that's a, a point of uh a lot of um pressure and uh, pressure and, and folding yep. yeah and a lot of folding because when you land you land with the tips of the toes yep and then you absorb the impact first like that so there's a lot of folding there so that's usually the uh the most when you're looking to buy new shoes, you look at that because that's the first point that's going to rip in your shoes. So um, looking at that pair of shoes, are you left foot or right foot dominant? Um, hmm. <laughs> I kick a football with my left foot. Okay. And do you jump with your left foot or do you jump off your right foot typically when you're... Uh, I mean, obviously you do both, I, but... Yeah, so uh, if you're running and just taking off one foot and then landing on a ledge like further ahead, typically I'll place my right foot on the first ledge and then land with two feet. So, uh, okay, I got you. I got you. The foot um, I take off with is my right. Yep. Mm. But for some reason, the one that's like mostly torn at the front of the sole of the shoe is the left. Yep. Because actually that's the first one to arrive uh, usually uh, on, on the ledge you're landing on. So yep. that's the one that's going to arrive first. Yep. Yeah, you can see the sole is a lot more used on the left yep. compared to the right. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that that's a pretty interesting thing. So for anybody listening to the audio, um, if you're an athlete, especially if you're a runner, parkour, um, or, or you do any kind of um, footwork outside of like stationary weightlifting, you, you would definitely be able to kind of formulate a story behind those shoes. Um, and you could definitely see that the left foot takes a lot more... Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd actually have to think about the anatomy and everything, but I did a pretty cool interview recently with a uh, athletic coach in basketball. And um, he was saying that shoes are really important. And it, it goes along with what you said, which is excellent, is that um, shoes that are thicker, that have like a thick toe and then like a thicker heel that absorb a lot of impact. Um, it, it stops training the anatomy of your uh, your feet, but not only your feet, but like up into your, your legs. So the development of your, your calf muscles of your shins, um, and you, you start to lose that, those nerve endings. And he said that thinner shoes are much better for developing the strength and the technique and the form that you want. So that's really cool to, to have that similarity. Um, so with your background in sneakers and, um, uh, casual lab environment what are your thoughts on uh leather shoes and formal dress wear when when you think about that stuff uh it's very interesting i so my dad just came over from athens uh for a business trip and <laughs> ever since i was i don't know 14 15 he's always tried to buy me some pair of leather leather shoes <laughs> and um i always thought like know that I don't want to become uh, a dude who works in an 
office. I don't want to have that kind of life. Um, I'm too cool for your leather shoes <laughs> kind of approach. <laughs> yeah. Um, but now, now I actually, I've, I value the way I look and the way I present myself because you realize once you work around other people, uh, it's a way that people can, can see if you're reliable or strong or you look after yourself. Yep. And so I'm, I'm thinking a bit more about it now, like leather shoes. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I enjoy, I enjoy in London when I sit on the tube, I enjoy sometimes not looking at people's faces or what they're wearing, but just look at their shoes. Yep. And I think you can actually tell quite a lot about, about someone depending on what they're wearing, the color. Is it golden? Is it white? Is it completely black? Are there loads of colors? Are there hearts? Um, have I seen those shoes before? Like, is it a bit more mainstream? Why is that person chosen that pair of shoes compared to another? Um, so it is, it is a detail. Um, it is a detail in, in the way people express who they are, even if they don't know it. Yep. Or I'd like to think like, hey, <laughs> I'm like working out their <laughs> secrets. <but laughs> well, but, uh, people watching, I mean, people watching is a wonderful thing. And anybody who thinks it's creepy, they've been staring at their cell phones for too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, no, uh, I, I think a lot of that stuff definitely resonates. When I get onto the train as well, when I'm commuting uh, from my, mm. the rural community that I live in to the local city or going down to uh, Tokyo, one of the first things that I love to do is I love to sit down and just look at people's shoes or even if I'm standing up, I, I um, there's a lot of um, avoiding eye contact with people, but you know, shoes, you know, shoes don't lie. They don't look away. They, they don't express the same emotion, but they have the, the story of somebody's lifestyle. And um, those are um, really wonderful things to hear about the tube in London. Um, with your yeah, thinking like about if, your, if, yeah. No, wait, wait, just a little like um, when when you're meeting people from parkour, you don't necessarily know who you're meeting because sometimes like you're meeting through the internet at a spot, and usually the first thing, if you don't know the person's face, the first thing you're looking for is the shoes, because there are certain like. There's no equipment in parkour but shoes. Like, that's the only equipment, really, yeah. if you break it down. So, yeah, I think it really tells a lot about what people, what they choose and also what they get up to in those shoes. Like, are they muddy? Are they looked after? Uh, yeah, all those sort of little details. Yeah. Well, I know sneakers are a really weird thing. How how often do you burn through a pair of your parkour shoes? Are you burning through them in three months, or six months, two years? I and mean, obviously your Vancouver shoes are pretty old. 
Yeah, they're pretty old. Like uh, I think two or three years old now. And but the thing that I did, the trick that I had is actually I'm gonna buy two pairs at once. Okay. Oh, this is a funny story. I forgot about this, but uh, so I bought these 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 red New Balances and also another pair in black and white. Yeah. And there was a period where I was like wearing. Uh, one foot of one and another foot of the other pair. So I had like one red and one white. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was just playing around with it. And so, so probably their lifetime is even longer. Yeah. Um, I, I bought two pairs and I was like alternating between both. Yeah. But uh, no, these pair of shoes are, are quite good. But if you buy some, shoes if you haven't done enough research into the grip and how the sole is made like you have certain shoes where you'll have um a foamy white undersole yeah. and then stuck to that you'll have stripes of black rubber yeah and if you do that uh, as you're running against a wall those stripes of black rubber often just peel off. Yeah. So those dead shoes, you don't want those kind of shoes usually for parkour. Yeah. So you really have to sort of think about the physical reality of the, the pressures and how you're going to use them to know what, what a good pair is and, and uh, how long they're going to last you for it to be a good investment. Yeah. Well, um, that was a pretty uh, good point of parallel between dress shoes because a, a lot of uh, young Americans, especially young American men, I feel like they, they buy shoes because they look good, but they haven't necessarily done the, the reading and the research of uh, the manufacturing and then the care that you're supposed to take care of when you have that pair of shoes to, to keep them for two, three, four, five years. Um, and it sounds like there are actually a lot of things that you need to be aware of, especially with athletics for safety and um, the, the comfort that uh, definitely health, translates. Health, yeah. Like general health, you know, yep. just looking after your body because all of your pressure goes through your feet. Yep. All of your weights, like we don't we, like our feet. We just don't look after them enough. And shoes are so fundamental to looking after all of the rest of your structure, like all of your spine, your knees, um, your posture in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. Women end up, can end up having uh, their hips uh, not being in the right posture if they're wearing heels so often because they end up like tilting. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. But it's fashionable. I mean, there's, yeah, it's fashionable. It makes their calves look nice and it pops up the ass. But I'm, I'm like, nah, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's nice, but it's, it's not good for your health. Like, right. it's not good for the spine. Uh, I don't know. Well, I think, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, like heels, like they, they certainly um, exude certain things that are attractive. But at, at the same time, I mean, if you're wearing heels every day, there are certain muscles that aren't being used or there are certain muscles that are being overused. And I mean, wow. even just like the awareness of your body is, is pretty amazing um, for how it compensates and corrects for um, the, the stress on the body. Um, and, I, and I think a lot of people, especially succumbing to fashion and what's trendy 
aren't necessarily aware of their their long-term health and i think that um it sounds as a parkour athlete you're aware of all of that yeah there's definitely a new genes um not much in professional parkour athletes are taking very very big packs and really putting their limits but um in athletes who are uh, more in the movement um movement area yep. uh, like mm-hmm. natural movement through yep. and yeah yeah uh and so like movements and so on um there's a trend of using very 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 thin shoes um where the only point of the sole is to protect your foot from the environment but is not giving you so much support like it's holding your foot but that's about it it's like a a good slipper with yeah. rubber uh, yeah. and that knows motion and shows all the tendons to be as as red balance and to be sorry so a little bit of lag there but for anybody who who experienced that so he said the um the exertion of your feet and your tendons um, to push the, the balance and the strength of your feet is really important with those rubber soled shoes, just to, to bring clarity to that. Um, so thank you for um, coming on to the podcast today. I really appreciate it. And I think there's a lot of good um, stuff for young men to think about um, on the athletic side of shoes and not just leather dress shoes. Um, so for anybody who wants to contact you, what are some good ways to reach out to you? Uh, you can contact me through Settling Minds. That's the name of my podcast. And that's on shoutengine.com. And you can also find Settling Minds on iTunes. And if you like it, you can review it. So, uh, you know, leave a comment. Um, yeah. Uh, and there's also my, my mailing list if you want to, to be up to date with uh, the latest episodes. Uh, it's at settlingminds at gmail.com. And my podcast is about bringing stories of facing periods of darkness in your life and building resilience from um, those harder periods. So, yeah, man. Soul, it's been, it's been a pleasure. It really has. Yep. Uh, and I will, um, you know, I'll make sure to throw a link to your shout engine, your iTunes, and then uh, reference to your Gmail when I get the episode up. So again, just thank you very much for everything. And I look forward to working with you in the future. Pleasure, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Collaborations coming up. Best beware, everyone. Best beware. <laughs>